Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Thursday, February 2nd. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy kept his campaign promise today. He rallied his Republican conference to kick Ilhan Omar off of the Foreign Affairs Committee. The vote was 218 to 211. Kevin McCarthy proved that he can keep his conference together, unified, on delivering a bit of political revenge. That was the issue of the day on the House floor as House Republicans delivered on a campaign promise to rid the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House of Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Now, this is largely due to some of her anti-Semitic comments of the past, some of which she has apologized for. And unlike what McCarthy did with Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell by jettisoning them off the House Intelligence Committee, which he can do just by the power of the speakership, when you are dealing with a standing committee of the House, that requires a full House vote if you are looking to oust a member from it. And that's what the vote on the House floor today was about. Congresswoman Omar took to the House floor to defend herself and express her clear opposition against this move by House Republicans. I am Muslim. I am an immigrant, and interestingly, from Africa. Is anyone surprised that I am being targeted? Is anyone surprised that I am somehow deemed unworthy to speak about American foreign policy, or that they see me as a powerful voice that needs to be silenced? Frankly, it is expected. After the vote, Omar said that this was all about, quote, revenge. After House Democrats and some Republicans who joined them voted to strip members Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar of their committee assignments back in 2021 for their inflammatory rhetoric and social media posts. In Gosar's case, you may recall, he posted a meme that depicted life-threatening imagery of his fellow member of Congress, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York. She made sure to note that in her impassioned floor speech, railing against the move to kick Omar off the committee. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life, and you all and the Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an abdi- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have t- who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color. As soon as the vote was done, Hakeem Jeffries, the House minority leader, said that he would move immediately to seat Omar on the House Budget Committee. For his part, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says this was not about political revenge. This was not tit for tat. And in fact, he said he wanted to work with Leader Jeffries on the Democratic side to create a standard for removing people from committees in the House of Representatives going forward. I think in moving forward, every single member of Congress has a responsibility to how they carry themselves. And it's responsible upon us to let them know what that is. And then what is the due process in a bipartisan way that we can deal with it? Previously on this podcast, when discussing this issue, we've noted some Republican members had voiced opposition to McCarthy's move here, including Victoria Sparts and Nancy Mace, 
both of those members of Congress ultimately voted with their conference, joined all those Republicans voting to strip Omar of her committee assignment. Why did they change their position on this? Well, they say they received assurances from Speaker McCarthy. They wanted due process protocol added so that members can appeal decisions within the House Ethics Committee. Across the rotunda in the Senate, it was a bit more traditional internal party politics at play with committee assignments. Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell pulled Senators Rick Scott and Mike Lee off of the Senate Commerce Committee. You may recall Rick Scott, the Republican of Florida, challenged Mitch McConnell for Republican leader in the November leadership elections taking place right after the midterms. He lost that leadership challenge pretty substantially. You also may recall that the Florida senator had put out a policy plan last year called Rescue America, and it proposed a slew of initiatives like sunsetting legislation after five years, enacting 12-year federal term limits, and effectively raising taxes on millions of Americans, which of course opened him and his entire party up to an onslaught of Democratic political attacks, which is precisely why Mitch McConnell wanted nothing to do with it and didn't want to put out a detailed policy proposal that could only serve as a target for the opposition. This morning on CNN, Senator Scott said he sees the decision to remove him from the Commerce Committee as pure political retribution. I opposed him because I believe we have to have ideas, fight over ideas. And so uh, he took Mike Lee and I off the committee. I don't know why. I don't, I don't, I don't think it made any sense. I mean, I bring a lot to the table, but that's a decision he, he made. This should surprise no one. This is as old school hardball politics as it gets. It's why the expression exists, if you take a shot at the king, you better not miss. Rick Scott missed, and now he's paying the political price for it. Both of these inter- and intra-party battles happening on Capitol Hill today occurred on the same day as the interfaith and bipartisan national prayer breakfast that brings all elected officials in Washington together every year. President Biden was up on Capitol Hill at the prayer breakfast this morning and addressing the crowd there and hitting a note of comity when he was discussing his meeting yesterday in the Oval Office with Speaker McCarthy. Let's start treating each other with respect. That's what Kevin and I are going to do. Not a joke. We had a good meeting yesterday. I think we got to do it across the board. Doesn't mean we're going to agree and fight like hell, but let's treat each other with respect. A classic Joe Biden appeal for the return of respect and decency to our politics, obviously something that has been missing for quite some time in American political discourse. And yet, don't mistake that for how brutal the battles will be, especially over the raising of the debt ceiling in these next weeks and months. There is still no clear resolution to that real political conundrum from McCarthy and Biden, but you heard from both of them in the last 24 hours a need to get to a resolution and hopefully doing it with some respect along the way. And one final note for you from Capitol Hill today, Speaker McCarthy and Minority Leader McConnell announced that Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be delivering the Republican response to the State of the Union address next week. As you know, President Biden will be addressing the nation from inside the House chamber on Tuesday, February 7th. 
And there is a time-honored tradition for the leaders of the opposition party to tap somebody they see as an up-and-coming rising star in the party or a very effective communicator in the party. It's always a tough assignment because nothing can sort of live up to the pomp and circumstance of a president in the House chamber before the Supreme Court and the cabinet and all the members of the House and the Senate. And yet, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is now poised to take on that role, probably because of her effective communication skills. You'll recall she served as White House press secretary for Donald Trump and was very used to taking all the incoming from reporters and being in the political arena in that way. And now she does so as the first ever woman elected to the governor's office in the state of Arkansas. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com briefing. netsuite.com briefing.